2: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday Sports Speed on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the free WSBT Radio app. Welcome to your Monday, June the sixth of two thousand twenty-two, seven minutes after five o'clock. And tonight's Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat is brought to you by our longtime. Title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Mention Sportsbeat and get a free gift with your free quote. Give Tim a call at 232-9981. By Pet Refuges ABC Clinic, South Burnett Drive in South Bend, helping fight pet overpopulation. By Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Thanks for joining me on a brand new week of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960. WSBT coming up on the program this evening. We'll talk some Notre Dame baseball as the Fighting Irish got through the regional, heading to the Super Regional. The Colts have acquired Matt Ryan to be their quarterback the next couple of years. He is chasing some unwanted history. We'll have our My 5 question of the day, who had the best weekend. We'll have a Chicago Cubs prospect update, a couple of the guys, are a little banged up right now, including the guy who is number one on the list. So details on that coming up in a couple of moments. We've got our sports wagering segment to get to coming up in the six o'clock hour. All over the next two hours here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT.
1: The first pitch, of the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup, and his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: And our first pitch to you tonight centers around one heck of a quarterback that Notre Dame is recruiting, and I'm not talking about Dante Moore. Dante, the five-star out of Michigan, has been to Notre Dame several times, has not said yes to the Irish. Could he be beaten to the punch by someone from the class of 2024? Well, the Irish invasion was last weekend. Some of the top high school recruits come to South Bend for workouts, and one of those individuals was 2024 four-star quarterback, C.J. Carr. Some have him as a five-star out of Saline, Michigan. He is 6'2", 185 pounds. You're probably thinking Carr. Yes, it's the C.A.R.R. version of Carr. And yes, he is related to former Michigan head football coach Lloyd Carr. He is the grandson of Lloyd Carr. The Fighting Irish offered cj carr last june he was at irish invasion this weekend and from all accounts of people that were there he thoroughly impressed accuracy really good arm strength good footwork just up and down a fundamentally sound quarterback there was a clip of fighting irish head football coach marcus Freeman kind of patting him on the back, giving him a big smile, some words as he walked by during a workout that showed up on Twitter over the weekend. And this is a young man that the Irish are heavily interested in. Carr is also the fifth-ranked quarterback in the class after Chandler, Arizona, five-star quarterback Dylan Riola. Charlotte, North Carolina, Providence Day School, four-star quarterback, Jaden Davis, Carlsbad, California, four-star quarterback, Julian Sayin, and Willis, Texas, four-star quarterback, D.J. Langway. According to On3 Consensus, which combines all of the major recruiting surfaces and average things down to one number, C.J. Carr is the number 23 overall recruit in the class of 2024. Now he's visited Notre Dame already a couple of times. Carr recently told blueandgold.com, quote, the main thing we wanted to check off was seeing Coach Tommy Reese in the quarterback room and how he coaches on the field. Those were two things we got to see on the visit and we're excited by it. I'm eager to keep building a relationship with Coach Reese and Coach Freeman, end quote. Now, this was not at the most recent visit, the Irish invasion these comments were made. It was the last time he was here. Carr was also upbeat about Notre Dame's practice he was at this spring. He told Blue and Gold, quote, I saw a lot of energy. They really like to emphasize competition. That stood out to me, end quote. On speaking with Marcus Freeman, again, he told blue and gold quote. That was a really awesome experience. It was the first time I got to meet coach Freeman in person. He likes to emphasize competition and I can tell how badly. He wants to win at Notre Dame. Now going into Irish invasion, I'd done a little work on CJ Carr, and as of last week, According to On3, which is the recruiting service tied in to my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, as of last week, Michigan was in the lead for Carr. Again, it would not come as a big surprise since he is the grandson of a former Michigan head football coach. Last week, Michigan had the lead 54.9%. The Fighting Irish in second place at 42.1%. Michigan State 1.2%. And Wisconsin a less than 1% chance to acquire the services of C.J. Carr. Now this was an interesting note that On3 Blue and Gold had. Carr had seemingly begun to trend away from Michigan. Alabama recently offered Georgia is on the peripheral, and just about everybody else is about to get on board. But, now we have a new development with CJ Carr, which is very interesting, and it's interesting this decision was made not too long after leaving Notre Dame's campus for Irish Invasion. According to Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports, We now know that C.J. Carr will announce his college decision this coming Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time on CBS Sports HQ. Could that mean some incredible news for the Fighting Irish? Could they have landed the services of the number 23 player in the country for 2024 quarterback C.J. Carr? Now, Carr has six finalists. Besides Notre Dame and Michigan, also in his finalist list, Georgia, LSU, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Now at Irish Invasion, yesterday he spent time working with Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. And now... One week after posting some numbers that I just read to you, that Michigan was the leader, things have changed dramatically. Now, according to the people that follow recruiting closely, and I get this information from a story posted right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Ashton Pollard put up this story a couple of hours ago. As the story reads, Notre Dame is now the heavy favorite to land. C.J. Carr. Three recruiting insiders have put in predictions for Carr to pick the Fighting Irish. The first one is significant just because of where it comes from. The first person to say that Carr is picking Notre Dame is E.J. Holland of the Wolverine. Covers Michigan football. Chad Simmons, on three director of recruiting, says Carr is picking Notre Dame. And my guest on tomorrow's program, my weekly guest and colleague from Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer, has put in a prediction, Carr to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Now, according to the on three consensus, which has been updated, again, number 23 player in the country, number five quarterback in the country, the number one player in the state of Michigan. Carr's maternal grandfather is Tom Curtis, a former All-American in College Football Hall of Fame safety for Michigan. Jason Carr, Lloyd's son and CJ's father, was a quarterback at Michigan in the 90s. CJ's mom, Tammy, also went to Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan. But could C.J. Carr be looking for a place to carve his own piece of history? He could do that at the University of Notre Dame. As a sophomore, C.J. Carr threw for 2,696 yards, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions. Completed 156 of 243 passing attempts. This is really intriguing news because there has been so much focus on five-star recruit in the 23 class, Dante Moore. Irish fans who dig into all the recruiting news, they have been following every piece of information that comes out about Dante Moore. Well, does this change the way we look at how important Dante Moore's recruitment is to the Fighting Irish? Now, he is... On tape, he looks like a terrific football player and will do great things at the college level. But let's look at the construction of the Irish football roster. You got Tyler Buckner, who we assume will be the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish this year. He has three years of eligibility to work with. And you know what? If he plays outstanding football, it could be less than that. He's off to the NFL. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say the Irish do not need Dante Moore. That's not what I'm getting at. But if you look at the cycle of quarterbacks, if Buckner is the quarterback the Irish believe he can be, that could keep Dante Moore on the sideline. And it opens the door for a guy like C.J. Carr, who is a couple of years removed from Tyler Buckner. The door could be open for him to slide into the starting spot when Tyler Buckner's career is over at Notre Dame. Or he beats him out, whatever the case may be. Again, I'm not saying Dante Moore is not important. He is very important to Notre Dame. They have worked so hard on trying to get his services. But if Buckner is as good as we think he will be, does that put Dante in the category of a guy that can really help this football team? It would be wonderful to have him. He would be an awesome addition to the football team. But at the same time, if he has decided to go somewhere else, could the Dominoes just be lining up differently for the Irish to have success at the quarterback position? Hey, let's face it. Perfect situation. You got Buckner, Moore, and Carr. That would be awesome news. But can you keep everybody happy? We've seen the transfer portal. Kids jumping into that portal so quickly, looking for that next best opportunity. Rather than trying to beat out the person ahead of them on the depth chart, they run to somewhere else. Maybe all three would stay. Who knows? But I just think it's kind of interesting – All this emphasis on Dante Moore when you've got Tyler Buckner and now you've got an elite quarterback that could be saying yes to the Fighting Irish on Thursday. Is that going to change the way many people who have followed Dante Moore's recruiting so closely, will it alter the way they think about how necessary it is to get Dante Moore? Again, he's an incredible-looking player on tape. He's a difference maker. You want him? I'm just trying to say, if it doesn't work out, the Irish are still going to be in awfully good shape. If Buckner turns out and Carr continues to develop, and, of course, I'm assuming that he picks Notre Dame, like all these projections are now popping up. And it makes sense. If he's ready to announce on Thursday, it comes right after Irish invasion on Sunday, it seems to line up. That's good news for the fighting Irish. And, Chad Simmons, Mike Singer, EJ Holland, all believing that Carr is going to pick the Fighting Irish. So, Notre Dame's in a really good spot. They've got Tyler Buckner. They are making a major push. They're doing everything they can to get Dante Moore from the 23 class. And could they be ready to land an elite 24 quarterback in CJ Carr? Again, all of these predictions coming in from On3's Director of Recruiting, the Wolverine and Blue and Gold Illustrated say Carr is picking the Fighting Irish. Wow. If you can get Buckner, Moore, and Carr, how do you like that quarterback competition? Woo! That would be spicy. Good stuff. I'm just kind of curious if, if people understand what I'm trying to get at, that Moore is a heck of a player, but if things don't work out, they're still in really outstanding shape. You still hope Moore picks Notre Dame. That could come any time. Who knows when he's finally going to make that decision. But if C.J. Carr says yes, does that alter Dante Moore's thinking? Does it quicken the pace on his recruitment? Does he still take all the time necessary? Does he look at Notre Dame differently? I'm curious. This recruitment has been so fascinating. This could add a little twist to his recruitment. But most of these kids are so confident in their ability, they believe they are going to go to Destination A. They're the best player, and they're going to win the job. As we know, it doesn't always work out that way, and that's when the transfer portal, unfortunately, comes into play so I doubt it probably makes Dante more blink but it's just an interesting little extra side story to his recruitment if Carr picks the fighting Irish on Thursday so again Steve Wilfong 24-7 sports he's reporting that 2024 quarterback CJ Carr will make his college choice Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time on CBS Sports HQ. I believe that's their 24 hour sports channel that's internet based. Cars 6 finalists Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and apparently the new favorite, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. This would be a major haul for Marcus Freeman. And Tommy Reese, if Carr says, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame on Thursday. So that's the latest. Interesting. Very interesting. The Carr news is awesome. How does this affect Dante Moore? There's so many different layers to this story. We will dig into all those layers tomorrow. Mike Singer the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for blue and gold illustrated blueandgold.com will join me for his regular Tuesday visit at 607 Eastern Time and we'll be talking all things CJ Carr and we can also dive into how he believes it affects the recruitment of Dante Moore or Dante Moore's thinking all that and more coming up on tomorrow's program That's our first pitch for this Monday evening. Darren Pritchett with you on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. It is 26 minutes after 5 o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
2: 29 minutes in front of six o'clock. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat, live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live and WSBTRadio.com, and on our free WSBT Radio app. Get the app. By golly, it's a piece of cape. Just go to the iTunes or Google Play stores, search WSBT Radio with the app. You can listen to us live. Our podcast available whenever. You would like them, including our Budweiser's weekday sports podcast, which is available within about 10 minutes of the conclusion of each one of our shows. Well, we just spent a little time talking about CJ Carr, the 2024 quarterback that apparently is leaning toward choosing the fighting Irish, his announcement officially Thursday at seven o'clock and Wonderful news for the Irish if they have gained the services of C.J. Carr, one of the top quarterbacks in the 24 class. And, of course, read all about it right now from my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Well, the Irish baseball team, we need to take a second and give them a ton of credit. First off, they have an amazing leader. I've been around one heck of a leader the past 13 years in fighting Irish hockey coach Jeff Jackson, calling the Notre Dame hockey games on the radio, being around Paul Pooley, Andy Sligert. I love the tone they set, led by Coach Jackson. His leadership, his professionalism, his knowledge gives Notre Dame hockey a chance each and every year to go a long way in the Big Ten, and in the NCAA tournament. Last year, he continued to build the team. They got better and better as the season went on. And the team that were national runner-ups, that had the championship game almost won in the third period before they got really defensive, Minnesota State. The Irish loss to Minnesota State in the regional final won nothing. Just couldn't get over the hump, but that team got better as the season went on, and now with the transfer portal, the ability to add veteran players, I think it gives Coach Jackson and his staff even more of a chance to grow this program to bigger and better heights. But the leadership up top sets the tone for everything. I've not been inside the locker room for Mike Bray. I've seen him in practice when I had the chance to fill in for Jack Nolan, calling a few games, sitting in on practice. You see the way he provides leadership for his basketball team. It's exceptional. Got to have that great leader. And boy, does the Irish baseball team have that. They hit the absolute jackpot with Link Jarrett. A guy that played at Florida State got into minor league baseball, went back to Florida State as a coach, East Carolina, got his chance at UNC Greensboro, did great things there in a short amount of time. And when Notre Dame picked him, for all of us here in South Bend, a bit of an unknown, but it didn't take us long to see this guy was different. This guy, and I'm not comparing, but in terms of leadership, understanding of the game, teaching of the game, he goes into that pulmonary category. Along with his coaching staff that deserves a ton of credit as well, Link Jarrett and his coaching staff provide their team every advantage possible in preparation for each game. They work hard on the fundamentals. Remember how far the defense came from one season to the next when Link Jarrett took over. They became one of the best defensive teams in the country overnight. Take care of the baseball when it's hit to you. Take care of your pitching staff. Avoid throwing all those extra pitches when you make a mistake on defense. Those type of things add up to your starter or your reliever not being able to go as long as you want because they had to throw extra pitches due to a mistake made in the field. That's been limited. The teaching of the opposition's pitchers to the hitters. Link has told us, I give my guys 10 minutes. I don't want to overload them. Give them what they need. That's it. Because attention spans are going to go if you start going 15, 20 minutes into a session on the opposing pitching staff. They keep it brief. They keep it to the point, And the players get what they need. They don't need excess stuff. They don't need that extra fat, I guess. So the job Link has done and this coaching staff in preparing these guys is exceptional. And for the last two years, they have taken a bucket of cold water in the face from the NCAA. Last year, there was no question. Eye test, analytics, you name it. Notre Dame was one of the best eight teams in the country and the tournament committee stuck it to them, insulting them being a number 10 seed and forcing them to win a regional at home and then have to go down to one of the most difficult places to play baseball, an amazing environment in Starkville against Mississippi State. And the Irish almost pulled it off, probably kicking themselves. I talk about defense. There was one of those three games they kicked the ball around more than they usually do, and you don't want to point to one game, but I think the Irish would tell you that is the game that cost them a trip to Omaha. So what did that team put into their mindset when they lost in Starkville? Let's get back to the spot, do what we need to do to host a regional, host a super regional, and let's get to Omaha. Well, strangely enough, they did not get that chance to host a regional. Analytically speaking, there were a couple of kinks in the armor where the NCAA I guess took advantage and sent the Irish packing, but 14 and seven against quad one teams. The second best winning percentage only to Tennessee is pretty doggone impressive. When they played elite, they beat elite. They were 14 and seven. They can't help it that the Midwest is full of teams to play in the midweek that aren't helping their RPI. I guess they have to ship in long beach state, Florida state, Florida State's conference team, that's a bad example. But you know where I'm going. I guess they have to start shipping people into play, which isn't going to happen. Midweek games. So they were handed a tough deck again. They had to go down to Georgia Southern. They had a hotel down there in Statesboro that did not have a meeting room. Let me just say this. From my experience, when I'm with the hockey team, We meet in a meeting room. Coach Jackson, Coach Pooley, Coach Slaggart. They go over video. They go over scouting reports. It's in a meeting room. They didn't have that. They couldn't just meet in the hotel. I was sent a video of the weight room that Notre Dame baseball had to use down in Statesboro. It was an old restaurant in a strip mall. That's the environment they had to deal with. But you know what? They got a hell of a coaching staff, and for the second straight year, they overcame the frustrations of what dealt, that hand was dealt to them, and they got the job done. They won that regional down in Statesboro. The marathon first game against Texas Tech, the six-hour rain delay. They take the lead in the bottom of the eighth inning on a wild pitch. Liam Simon was awesome coming out of the bullpen to help the Irish get that victory. Ryan Cole, two for four in that particular game. They come back and take on the team that won the right to host the regional, Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern took a 4-2 lead in the sixth. Notre Dame came right back with two in the sixth and two in the seventh. Zach Prozner, one for three with three RBI, including a home run. Ziska and Brannigan also homered. For the Fighting Irish. The pitching staff held up. The bullpen was terrific. Three and a third innings of scoreless baseball. couple of rallies for Georgia Southern couldn't get over the hump and Notre Dame stayed in the winner's bracket. All they had to do was sit back and relax and yesterday win one game. They forced Georgia Southern to have to beat them. Twi- I'm sorry, Texas Tech to beat them twice. And Texas Tech did not have a great pitching staff coming into the postseason. They were 1-13 in the country in Team ERA. And you knew after the first two days they will have used most of their better pitching. Now, they used five guys to piece together 27 outs. And they held up, you know what, okay. There were some missed opportunities for the Irish. But Notre Dame had the lead from the third inning on. They scored a run in the third. A run in the fourth. Gave up a tally in the eighth inning. Texas Tech loaded the bases. The Irish got out of it. But J.D. Bertrand took the baseball after throwing an inning Friday. Then the rain hit. That was basically a bullpen throwing 26 pitches. He came back and threw seven and two-thirds yesterday. Nine hits, no walks, seven strikeouts, just being the stud that he is. And Jack Finley was able to get the final four outs and concluded the ball game by inducing a ground ball with another rally developing. The play was made by Carter Putz and the Fighting Irish for a second straight year. They went 3-0 and in the regional, and they're off to the Super Regionals for a second straight year. That is the first time in Notre Dame program history that the Irish have gone back-to-back Super Regionals. The Irish have to take on the number one team of the country, the Tennessee Volunteers, the team that seems invincible. Hitting categories, pitching categories. They're near the top in all the national statistics. They've got a pitcher that has thrown 105 this year. I'm not lying, 105. They also have an offensive player, as we found out last night, when he doubles, he rounds first base and he flips off the center fielder. No, I'm not lying. It happened. Tennessee had one of their players a big hit in the ninth inning to drive in the go-ahead run. He rounds first base, and after hitting the ball to center field, he raises his right hand in the air above his helmet, and he flips off the center fielder. What? What are we doing? Tennessee's weird. Somebody wrote this today, and it's so fitting. Tennessee acts like all their sports have won five straight national championships when none of them have won anything. It was just bizarre. I've never seen that. I mean, you flipped off the center fielder. There are cameras everywhere. What are you thinking? And don't say, oh, I got caught up in the moment. No, no. You can avoid doing that. That does not lead to you raising your right arm and flipping off the center fielder. That's not adrenaline. That's not emotion. That's just... A dumb, dumb decision. And I don't know if he's going to get punished or not. If he did, I have not seen that information, but it's bizarre. Hey, they're a great team. They went through the mighty SEC and dominated. A moment ago, I mentioned the Fighting Irish went 14-7 and against Quad 1 teams, the top 50 RPI teams. 14-7 and was the second-best record against Quad 1 teams in the country. You know who was first? Yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee was 20-3 and this year against quad one teams. They were down last night in the ninth inning at home to Georgia Tech, rallied to take the lead, and ultimately won the game now. Had they lost, they would have had today, still to advance, but that would have been almost justice for the Fighting Irish, and then finally getting to host that regional didn't work out. But let's forget about Tennessee. Let's forget about not hosting the regional, the weight room in a restaurant. Just think about how Link and his coaching staff kept this group mentally solid. They got 24 hours to be ticked off about not hosting a regional. They came back to work, and look what they accomplished. 3-0 and in the regional. They just do a beautiful job of grinding out games. They're not the most talented offensive team but they are highly efficient and do their jobs extremely well. They mix in stolen bases, hit and run. They'll sacrifice. They'll play small ball. I remember the first year Link was in town, he was describing his style of playing, what the Irish might do, and I said it reminds me of, in a way, what the 1980 St. Louis Cardinals with Whitey Herzog used to do, play small ball, steal bases, hit and run, bunt. They didn't hit home runs, but they did everything else to put pressure on the opposition with their athleticism and their speed, and the Irish put pressure on the opposition with their speed and the way they handle the bats so well. So here we are, the Irish are going to take on the team that isn't supposed to lose the entire tournament. That kind of was the storyline. Back, oh, 20 years ago when Notre Dame went down to Florida State to take on a number one seminal team that had won something like 20 games in a row under Coach Martin. And the Irish went down there for the Super Regional and took two out of three and advanced to the College World Series under Paul Menary. They were the unbeatable team. The Irish got them. Here we are again, two decades later. Tennessee is the team that's supposed to roll through everybody. The championship trophy already has Tennessee volunteers on it. They've already engraved it in Omaha. But I am not counting out this team. They are too well coached. They have too many outstanding leaders, including Link Jarrett. And they're just darn good, solid, hard-nosed baseball players that don't give a darn about that number one ranking and all the noise that's going to come from Tennessee and their fans. They went through that last year in Starkville. They're bulletproof to that stuff. And with Jay, with Bertrand ready to go this weekend, hey, I'm not counting out this Irish baseball team. So you're probably going to hear a lot about Tennessee from the national media and this team that looks invincible. They do it all well. They pitch, they hit, they hit home runs. They do everything well. But here comes that little Irish team, the little engine that could. They may not have all the... Fancy names on the back of their jerseys. They got some cool helmets. But there might be some names on the back of the jerseys that fans across the country aren't familiar with. Don't be surprised if Notre Dame doesn't surprise a whole lot of folks in Knoxville. They've got the pitching to get it done. Do their thing. Defend well. Do the little things offensively. That pitching staff holds up. They've got a heck of a shot. All the pressure's on Tennessee. It's just little old Notre Dame coming to Knoxville to take on the unbeatable team. The Thor of college baseball. The Tennessee Volunteers. You know what? Game on. Let's see what happens. We do not have a start date or time yet for the series, but it will happen this weekend down in the Knoxville Super Regional the Fighting Irish taking on the number one team in the country, the Tennessee Volunteers, the Irish basically number 17 in the overall seating for the tournament. Let's lace them up and see what happens. But as long as Link Jarrett is our baseball coach, Notre Dame will always have a chance. And the job he's doing, it scares the heck out of me, the amount of money that's going to be thrown his way to take over some program across the country. I hope we can do everything we can to keep him. His salary, the facilities still need upgraded in some parts. Their little clubhouse area is awesome. We were in there for a media session the other day. What a great job that was in building that part of the facility. But there needs still to be more upgrades, and I hope we can keep Link Jarrett because you cannot ask for, really, a better leader for this fighting Irish baseball team. Again, he's got just some of that it factor that Paul Maneri had when he was here in South Bend before leaving for LSU. 5.49 is our time. Go Irish. Yeah, no pressure. Let's just go get them down in Knoxville. Let's see if the old volunteers self-destruct under the pressure of being the team that's supposed to win the title. More Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat in just a couple of moments on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Highlight reel One by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run! Touchdown! Spectacular run! Here's the fake. Here's your host, Darren preach
2: I apologize for my tardiness, just taking care of a little texting. Mike Singer, Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. We were having a quick little text conversation based on this quickly developing story as 2024 elite quarterback recruit CJ Carr has set his commitment date for Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on CBS Sports headquarters. This is according to Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports. This comes soon after he was at Irish Invasion. Irish Invasion, excuse me, working with Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman. There, Carr has six finalists: Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. So, the fact that Carr could pick Notre Dame, they would have their quarterback in the 24 class, is an interesting story. And with no quarterback yet in the 23 class. And Dante Moore's decision looming, if he's going to pick Notre Dame, how does that change things? So, this is really a fascinating development and how it affects a lot of things with Notre Dame football recruiting. And Mike was joking, rather than doing the normal Tuesday visit we have, we might have to do three or four interviews this week just to cover everything that's happening With Notre Dame football recruiting at this time. This could be a noisy week. A good noise. And it all could center around C.J. Carr picking the Fighting Irish again. Three predictions have come in on Carr picking Notre Dame from Mike Singer. On three, director of recruiting Chad Simmons. And also E.J. Holland from the Wolverine, which really catches your attention. C.J. Carr The grandson of former Michigan head football coach, Lloyd Carr. Can you imagine Lloyd putting on a Notre Dame cap? Anybody want to see a picture of that? (laughs) I mean, you talk about a Michigan man. That is Lloyd Carr. But family comes first. And I guarantee you he'll have that Notre Dame cap on cheering on his grandson if, in fact, C.J. picks the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame on Thursday, we'll recap this story once again coming up in the six o'clock hour. Also, we've got a Chicago Cubs prospect update, our sports wagering segment also on the way. So, plenty more to get to. But again, this developing story: Celine, Michigan quarterback CJ Carr will announce his college decision on Thursday at seven o'clock Eastern on CBS Sports headquarters, according to Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports and Notre Dame is the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to land the services of this elite 2024 quarterback. Stay tuned. Again, we'll talk to Mike Singer from Blue and Gold. Tomorrow's program at 6.07. Right now, 5.57. Let's head to the second out of the program. That comes your way next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Leading off the six o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That
2: boy's good.
1: Number nine. Nine times.
2: Nine times.
1: Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk off home run, Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett.
2: Welcome to the second hour on Budweiser's Weekday sports Speed for this Monday, June the 6th of 2022. Darren Pritchett with you. Again, hope you had a great weekend. And thanks for joining me here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT or maybe on the live stream at WSBTradio.com or via the free WSBT radio app. Coming up in the second hour of the program, we have our sports wagering segment right now, since we got this segment going on this program about a month ago, we're 10 games over five hundred, thirty twenty 30, 20, and one. We'll try to improve on that with four selections coming up in just a little bit. We'll once again, recap our top story today, the possibility, Notre Dame football coach, Marcus Freeman, offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese have their quarterback for the class of 2024. Dante Moore's in the 23 class. We're talking about a commitment for a quarterback in the 24 class. In C.J. Carr, he'll make the announcement on Thursday, according to Steve Wilfong of 24-7 Sports. And he is apparently right now ready to pick the Fighting Irish. So we have that story to recap once again coming up in just a little bit. Here on WSBT Radio. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight because there is no South Bend Cubs baseball. The Cubbies are idle tonight before opening up a six-game home series against the team that leads their division, the Cedar Rapids Colonels. who are five games in front of South Bend. That series opens up tomorrow night at 7.05 here on WSBT Radio. We've got plenty of football talk to get to, but right now we are going to spend a little time on baseball. The Chicago Cubs are in rebuild mode, whether you agree with it or not, that's where we stand right now, coming off losing three out of five games at home to their rival, the St. Louis Cardinals, with St. Louis winning three of the last four, including a game last night, the Cubs led 3-2 in the ninth inning, gave up. The game tying run, and then gave up runs in the tenth inning in St. Louis. Even though it felt like throughout the series they were being outplayed, somehow, some way, won three of the five against the North Siders. So the future is all about what's happening in the minors right now for the Chicago Cubs. The product at the major league level is kind of a side story. In fact, I said this to my son last night. I don't remember the last time, and I'm sure there are times I just don't remember. But I think it was, was it Saturday for game two of the doubleheader? And then last night, around 31,000 fans at Wrigley Field. And there were a lot of Cardinal fans there, as you would expect. But I just don't remember that small a crowds at Wrigley Field for a Cub Cardinal game. Strange. And I think that tells you there's a lot of Cub fans that are kind of fed up with the Ricketts and the way they're running this baseball team. And I think a lot of you have an argument about the way this team's being run at this particular time. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to develop players, which is a good thing, but they have plenty of money to fill some holes on this roster that they have not done as of yet. Maybe they will very, very soon. Well, one of the guys that was scheduled to be helping out the Cubs in the outfield this year, That particular storyline has been put on hold. And I'm talking about the number one player in the Cubs system and the 13th best player in minor league baseball, Brennan Davis. I think a new MLB pipeline just came out and Davis dropped some spots because he's been injured. But Davis, the 22-year-old outfielder who has been at AAA Iowa, has now undergone lower back surgery and he has lost for a couple of months. The Cubs believe he will return at some point this season. But a guy that should have been at Wrigley Field no later than this summer, that's going to be put on hold. Now, Davis only played 22 games this year at AAA Iowa. And the bat was very quiet, which made you believe maybe he was injured. I brought up the fact the Cubs moved his hands, and I was worried that affected him. But apparently that was not the case. It was the back injury. And Davis, in those 22 games at AAA Iowa, hit 195 with a 286 on base and a 585 OPS, two homers, seven RBI. The number that really stood out that made you believe something was wrong, 31 strikeouts in 77 at-bats. That's not a Brennan Davis-type number. He has not played since May the 3rd. Placed on the injured list May 12th last week, underwent back surgery, Apparently, it is a surgery that will not affect him going forward. And the hope is he will be back in the fall, going back to AAA Iowa. I would assume that will halt his progress to get to Wrigley Field. Maybe it won't, but you would think so at this point. But he's undergone back surgery, likely out a few months, and the Cubs hope to have him back in some capacity later on this year. So there will not be the impact we expected from the Cubs. Number one prospect in their system. Brennan Davis is on the shelf after back surgery. The number two prospect. We still don't have any stats to pass along to you. The number two prospect is Christian Hernandez. He's 18 years old. He can play third base. He can play shortstop. He's the guy that I've mentioned. There have been some comparisons to Alex Rodriguez and Manny Machado with the way this guy swings the bat. Now he's down in Mesa at the spring training facility. Normally when players are there, they're younger players. The Cubs are teaching them the finer points of the game, things that they possibly did not learn, where they were growing up, in particular international players. So the game is being taught to them. They're probably honestly teaching them how to be a ball player when they have them down in Mesa because there are things to learn coming from a different country to America, so that's a part of the process. But very soon, you would have to imagine, he'll be making his way to Myrtle Beach, the low-A affiliate in the Cubs system, to start getting his feet wet with full-season league baseball. Now, he's only 18 years old. I guess they could wait, but Glaber Torres was 18 years old when he started his full-season career with the South Bend Cubs on opening day. 2015 Aloy Jimenez was 19 years old so wouldn't be surprised if Hernandez at some point goes to Myrtle Beach probably starts out there next year and then makes the transition to South Bend I would hope that would be in 2023 because this would be an exciting player I know there's really not a lot of promotion of players But I'll sit here right now and tell you, when Christian Hernandez arrives in South Bend, I would buy tickets to watch the South Bend Cubs to watch this kid play. He could be that dynamic. I'm not trying to put extra pressure on him, not trying to put a cardinal jinx as some people would say on him. I've just seen him swing, seen some of the highlights, and man, oh man, what a good-looking player. Just looks like one of those guys where the ball comes off his bat a little differently, and those type of guys don't grow on trees so he'll be fun to watch in the dominican last year 47 games at 285 with a 398 on base five homers 22 rbi and 158 at bats that's pretty impressive the number three prospect in the cubs system is james triantos he's a 19 year old middle infielder second round pick of the cubs last year right now Loway myrtle beach Hitting 290 with a 367 on base, a 742 OPS, only one homer, 17 RBI, eight for ace, eight for eight, excuse me in the stolen base category. Now in May, he had 95 at bats and he improved all his numbers. In May, Triantos hit 337. His on-base percentage of sparkling 411. The OPS works at 864. In May, a home run with 10 driven in, and he stole five of his eight bases. This is a high school kid that is growing right now, low-A baseball. I would expect him to be there all year, maybe late in the year if there's a playoff push in South Bend. You might see him, but otherwise I think he would fall into that category of a guy that sticks at Myrtle Beach for at least a good chunk of the year as a high school kid playing against older players right now at Myrtle Beach, but he's handling that older pitching extremely well at this time. So this could be a middle infielder in the future for the Chicago Cubs. Now, Caleb Killian, you got a chance to watch him pitch Saturday night in game 2 of the doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals. Killian, 24 years old, right-handed pitcher came from the Giants in the Bryant deal. At Triple-A Iowa, 9 games started, a 2.06 ERA. 39 innings, 35 hits. Now he'd walked 15. That's a little high, but a strikeout per inning, 41 K's for Killian in Des Moines, opponents hitting 236. He got the call to come pitch for the Chicago Cubs. They needed arms with those five games in four days against the Redbirds. And Killian got the call on Saturday in game two and went nine up, nine down to start the ball game. Then ran into trouble. In the fourth inning. But Killian ended up going five innings against St. Louis, giving up three hits, three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. A solid opening performance for Killian. You look at what he'd done at AAA Iowa. His first eight starts of the year, Killian allowed one earned run or fewer in each of those first eight starts. His ninth start. He actually faced the Cardinals affiliate. I just wonder if that affected the scouting report for St. Louis and trying to get ready for facing Killian on Saturday. But he faced Memphis in his last AAA Iowa start before coming to the big leagues. And the baby Cardinals gave up four earned runs. I should say picked up four earned runs in five innings against Killian. So Memphis had some good success against the Cub right-hander, and the birds on the bat had an okay performance against Killian on Saturday, a game that the Cardinals would ultimately end up winning. I hope Killian sticks. He probably won't. They'll probably send him back to AAA Iowa. If they do, maybe it's because of the walk rate. Otherwise, he sure seems close to being a guy you could count on in the Major League rotation at Wrigley Field. And the fifth and final prospect I want to talk about, according to MLB Pipeline, the top five prospects, number five resides right now in South Bend. It's Jordan Wicks, first-round pick out of Kansas State. And the Arkansas native is 22 years old, left-handed pitcher. He'll turn 23 September 1st. And right now, 10 starts for Jordan Wicks this year with South Bend with some uneven results. You break down the numbers. He got off to a good start in April, a 3.18 ERA, only walked two and struck out 13 in 11 and 3rd innings, but opposing batters hit 292. We got to May, a 386 ERA in six starts, 25 and 2 thirds innings, 25 hits. He walked nine and struck out 30. Opponents only hit 258 against Wicks in May after 292 in April. Now you move to June, and he's had one start, and it was yesterday against one of the best teams in the Midwest League, Dayton. And the Dragons, the Reds affiliate, got to Wicks yesterday three innings, six hits, five earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts. With those numbers now added into his season statistics, this college pitcher pitching at the high level, 10 starts this year for South Bend. He has thrown right now 40 innings. And he has struck out 49, but the whip, which is walks plus hits, divided by innings pitched, is pretty high. You want to be below 1.20. 1.30 is is okay, but under 1.2 is pretty doggone good. Right now, Wicks is at 1.40. The good news is he's striking out over a batter per inning. That's really, really good news. But right now, the opposition, they are getting some pretty good swings at this college first-round pick so far this year. Now, he has been solid, nothing to, I think, to be alarmed about, but they've just been able to maybe hit him a little more than expected. And you look at the breakdowns. Opponents are hitting 265 at Four Winds Field against Wicks, 293 on the road. His road ERA is 556. His home ERA is 3.12. So Jordan Wicks, you can watch him pitch in South Bend this week against Cedar Rapids. You would have to imagine. He'll pitch again on Sunday, the afternoon game at four Winds field. So Jordan Wicks, first-round pick of the Cubs out of Kansas State. Had a 3.86 ERA in May and a rough one to start June against that really good Dayton team last night, giving up five runs in three innings. So those are some of the names to know with the Chicago Cubs, some of the prospects that are right now trying to grow and eventually – get to Wrigley Field. 25 minutes after 6 o'clock, Darren Pritchett with you. Coming up next, we'll recap our top story of the day. C.J. Carr might be ready to say Notre Dame is where he wants to play football. Why is that important? We'll tell you next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In
1: 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
2: And we press on Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Monday evening. It is 28 minutes in front of 7 o'clock on the air until 7 tonight since the South Bend Cubs are idle. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thank you so much for joining me on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Let's recap our top story of the day, and it is an intriguing one. Notre Dame football recruiting, hot and heavy news. It sounded like the month of June was going to be wild. Well, it's already starting. C.J. Carr, four- or a five-star quarterback, depending on the service you want to look at, in the class of 2024 from Saline, Michigan. His dad was a quarterback at Michigan. His grandpa was the head coach at Michigan, Lloyd Carr. C.J. Carr was at Irish Invasion yesterday. Working out with Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman. All these great recruits coming to South Bend to work out in front of the Fighting Irish coaching staff. Going into last week, Michigan was the favorite to gain the services of C.J. Carr. Well, things appear to be changing. First off, we found out today from Steve Wilfong, the National Recruiting Insider for 24-7 Sports, a South Bend native. He has stated that Carr will announce his college decision on Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time on CBS Sports headquarters. This is a 2024 kid. 24 hours after being in South Bend now is ready to make a decision. The six finalists for Carr, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Georgia, and I'll think you'll enjoy the next two schools I'll mention. LSU, and Michigan. As of last week, according to On3 and the projections, 54.9% believed Carr was going to pick Michigan. Notre Dame was second at 42.1%. But things have changed apparently. Three individuals who have followed this recruiting closely are now predicting or projecting... That Carr will pick the Fighting Irish on Thursday. Those three individuals, a guy you will hear tomorrow on this program at 607, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. The second, on3.com's director of recruiting, Chad Simmons. And the one that's really interesting, E.J. Holland from the Wolverine, who covers Michigan football. Now, on three, consensus, a complete and equally weighted industry-generated average that utilizes all four major recruiting media companies. That consensus has Carr as the number five quarterback in the class of 2024. He's the number one player in the state of Michigan and the number 23 player in the country in the entire class. Now, on three, all by themselves, they have Carr as the number four quarterback on the class of 2024, also the number one player in Michigan. They have him as the 31st best player in the class of 2024. Carr has put up big numbers in high school. Last year, 2,696 yards, 28 touchdowns, only four interceptions, completed 156 of 243 attempts as a sophomore. If C.J. Carr Thursday night picks Notre Dame, the Irish have their quarterback in the class of 2024. He could be the heir apparent to Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame. If everything goes as planned, that Tyler Buckner is going to be the guy here in South Bend this year, plays well enough where he keeps the job until he leaves, maybe that's where C.J. Carr picks up. But wait, we're not done yet. There's another pretty good quarterback from the state of Michigan that the Irish have been pursuing very, very hard. And he is in the class in front of C.J. Carr, the class of 2023, and that's Dante Moore from the Detroit area, a second Michigan kid. He's been to Notre Dame several times. You might remember a couple of moments or a couple of months ago, Came to South Bend, spent two days, unofficial visits with the Irish coaching staff. Hasn't said yes to the Irish yet. Notre Dame has went all in on Dante Moore. But now there's a chance another elite quarterback in the next class could say yes to Notre Dame. Does that affect Dante Moore at all? Only Dante Moore can answer that question. On one hand, he might be the type of kid, confident in his abilities. He could care less. Number two, I guess it could make him stop and think, hey, I got competition coming. You would hope he would be all in favor of the competition. You don't want to go the easy way. You're an elite guy. You don't want to be handed a job. Let's go earn it. It's just going to be interesting to see how this affects Moore's thinking if Carr picks the Irish. And, again, that's where we bring in the experts tomorrow. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, will join me at 6.07. We will ask him a lot of these questions I'm bringing up at this time. It's fascinating just because we've been waiting to get the final word from a Michigan quarterback. Well, we're going to hear from a Michigan quarterback. It's just not the one we expected. It's not Dante Moore. It's C.J. Carr. And if all the people predicting these things are correct – The Irish have their quarterback for the class of 2024. Does it affect the 23 class? I can't wait to find out. But he worked out for Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman. From what I've read, he thoroughly impressed. Footwork, arm velocity, accuracy. Had a really good day at Irish Invasion. So we could have quarterback news this week. Anytime there's quarterback news at Notre Dame, it is a major story. But who would have thought? we would be getting ready for a major announcement on June the 9th about a quarterback, and it's not Dante Moore. It's from the class after him, the 24 class. So again, Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, CBS Sports HQ, their internet-based 24-hour news service. They will have C.J. Carr on to make the big announcement, and according to those smart recruiting guys, they believe Carr will pick the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It's going to be a fun week. 6.40 is our time. Read more about CJ Carr right now with the help of my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 20 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. We'll do some sports wagering talk coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Show me the money. We go
2: Let's talk some sports wagering on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Good evening. Darren Pritchett with you. 645 is our time. Let's start by recapping the suggestions I made on Friday's program. The first suggestion was from the NHL playoffs, Rangers and Lightning squaring off. And I had the Rangers scoring the first goal of the hockey game at plus 110. That didn't work out. Lightning scored first. Rangers ended up winning the hockey game on Friday. Lightning came back and won yesterday at home to cut the Blue Shirts lead down to two games to one in the Eastern Conference final. Selection number two from Friday. I was all over the Tampa Bay Rays against the White Sox down in Tampa. I took the Rays minus one and a half runs at plus 115. That means the Rays had to win by two or more runs to win the wager. And Tampa Bay took down the White Sox Friday, six to three. Third suggestion from Friday, Phillies and Angels. I said I threw away all the analytics for this game. It was about the Phillies having a new manager, Joe Girardi axed, Rob Thompson taking over, a different style voice. Girardi was a very stern voice manager. Not sure what Thompson brings to the table, but sometimes a little bit of fresh air does wonders for a clubhouse. So because of the managerial change, I thought there might be a little refocus by the Phillies. So I took the Phillies on the money line against the Angels at minus 125. And it was a ho hum victory. The Phillies took down the Angels 10 to nothing. Angels can't win. They've got a double digit losing streak going. Remember when they were in first place in the AL West? Otani and Trout were going to make the playoffs. They're now 27 and 28. They have nosedived under Joe Madden. But we'll take the victory against them from Friday. And the fourth pick from Friday's show. I'm a big Logan Gilbert fan, right-handed pitcher. For the Mariners, he was on the mound at the Rangers. We took the Mariners on the money line at minus 115. Gilbert did not get the win, but the Mariners won an extra innings over the Rangers 4-3. to three. So that means a 3-1 and day on Friday that gets us over five hundred for last week at 8-7-1. For the month of June so far, 5-2-1, And so far this year in our new segment on the program, 30 wins, 20 losses, and one push. Now we have an underdog pick we do every day. It has to be a plus number wager to fall into this category. And on Friday, I took the Rangers on home ice, a home underdog on the money line against Tampa Bay at plus 110. And as we documented, the Rangers won that game. By a score of 3-2, to two, so our underdog pick is 8-4 and four so far this year. We move to today's suggestions. All right, we're going to start with college baseball. Throw away the analytics. This was like the Angels and the Phillies. Just throw it all away. I don't care. This one's kind of a rooting interest pick. So... I'm picking based on heart, not brain, which usually gets you into trouble. But it's my segment. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose on my own terms. I just kind of follow Oklahoma State on the side as a big Matt Holiday fan. Holiday's brother is the head coach at Oklahoma State. So I just follow them just a little bit, not a whole lot. They were down 12-0 to Missouri State yesterday. And came back and won 29-15. to Good gracious, what a turnaround. So, it is a winner-take-all matchup in Stillwater. In just a few moments, Oklahoma State taking on Pig Suey, the Arkansas Razorbacks. So, I'm going with my heart. I'm going Oklahoma State to beat Arkansas to get to the Super Regionals. We'll take the Cowboys at minus 120. Up next in our suggestions for today, it is a limited baseball schedule, but we do have the Cleveland Guardians in action. They are hosting the Texas Rangers at Progressive Field. John Gray versus Cal Quantrill. Never been much of a John Gray fan, was in Colorado. The Rangers gave him a big deal to come to Arlington. Cleveland has a lot of good starting pitching. Quantrill falls into that category. So, I'm going to go ahead and take the Guardians on the money line, backing Quantrill to beat the Rangers at minus 115. My third suggestion for tonight from the National League, the Cincinnati Reds taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is Hunter Green, the young right-hander going for the Reds. 64 strikeouts this year, but a 619 ERA going up against old Grumpy from Arizona. Madison Bumgarner and his 3.31 ERA. Reds have been playing better. All of a sudden, they're 18-35. Remember when they were 3-24, playing better baseball right now. I'm going to take the Reds on their home dirt to beat the Diamondbacks behind Hunter Green. I'll take the Reds on the money line at minus 125 against Arizona. Fourth and final suggestion for tonight, it is the Avs on the money line at the Edmonton Oilers at minus minus. 135. This is game four of the NHL Western Conference Final. With a victory, Colorado advances to the Stanley Cup Final. They would sweep the Oilers, and I think they get it done tonight. Avs are playing outstanding hockey. Evander Kane, a top weapon on offense for the Oilers, suspended one game for a hit on Quadri of the Avalanche. So the Oilers down a quality forward. I just think the Avs have shown they are the better team. They're going to close it out tonight. Up in Alberta, I'll take the Avalanche on the money line at the Oilers at minus 135. So those are the four suggestions for tonight. Oklahoma State to beat Arkansas in a regional final tonight. We'll take the Cowboys at minus 120. How about the Guardians on the money line at home against Texas at minus 115. Reds on the money line at home against Arizona at minus 125. And the Colorado Avalanche. I'll take the abs on the money line at the Oilers at minus 135. Now our underdog pick for tonight. Let's go with college baseball. Super regional on the line. Maryland and UConn meeting tonight. A spot in the super regional on the line. And I'm going to go with, obviously, the underdog in my underdog pick. Let's go UConn plus 110 against the Maryland Terrapins. Those are the suggestions for tonight in our sports wagering segment known as We Go Into Sizzler. It is 8 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll wrap up Budweiser's weekday sports beat next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.